Hi everyone, it's Jack here from Esports Live. Sorry to crash the podcast. A quick thank you to you all for all your support so far. We hope you like what you're hearing, even if our advice is absolute nonsense. Make sure you subscribe to our video cast on YouTube and Twitch channels, as well as follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Or if you prefer the podcast, subscribe on Spotify and Apple. Search Esports Live now on any of the platforms to get involved. We've got some exciting things happening in the background. Get ready for the Euros and the Fantasy Premier League season 21-22. Get involved now, don't miss out and enjoy the podcast. Fantasy managers, welcome back to the FPL Addicts and Esports Live Fantasy Weekly Videocast and Podcast. On the agenda for this international break themed podcast, we pick our FPL team of the season so far as another international break halts momentum. But we will still be reviewing game week 29 as we look back at some of the Premier League action just gone. Midway through the week, we had a brilliant uh, review on the podcast about how if uh, Carlsberg did a podcast, it would be similar to this one. And ironically, we've got the two people on the podcast today who aren't even old enough to yet drink a Carlsberg. Jack and Matt are absent, so alongside me today is my right-hand man from the commentary box. As always, it's Elliot Craig. Elliot, how are you, mate? I'm doing brilliant, mate. It's an international break, which means no Bruce Ball to ruin my week. Instead, you know, dominant performance from England this morning, which was beautiful to see. I know I said to you this morning how nice it is to actually win a game of football and watch a team dominate another team, even if it was San Marino. I didn't care because it was just nice to see that and feel that again because I haven't felt that in a long, long time, mate. But yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you. Yeah, as soon as you saw me today, it was just like, how nice is it to see not having to worry about having a team having to lose. Obviously, both of our teams have had a, a rotten run of late, but I'm wearing the England top today, the World Cup 2018 away. Um, and if you didn't sing football was coming home at that full-time whistle, are you really an England fan? Uh, but enough of the international break stuff for now. We've got a, a game week to review of sorts. So, uh, Elliot, you got your three shocks as usual. Fire away. Yeah, thank you, mate. You know, it was a um, a weird game week, as we all discussed, but game week 29 has now ended and it was 104 points, which was the highest total in the world. And the average was 25 points, which I'm pretty certain is the lowest for the season. But my three shocks come as followed. Jesse Lingard in at number one with one goal, one assist and two bonus points, which gave him 12 points in game week 29. And what a screamer that was from him. Number two, we have Lacazette, who was Lingard's opponent. He got a goal, an assist and three bonus points, which gave Lacazette 11 points. And then third, which pains me to say, is Leandro Trossard with one goal, one assist, one clean sheet, three bonus points, which gave him 14 points. But if we take away the Steve Bruce tax, he doesn't make the list. But unfortunately, tax not included. Oh, mate, honestly, I I know, obviously as a fan, you're a massive Newcastle fan. I know you personally, I've known you for for years now. You don't often turn off games and you decided to after that midway through that 3-0 game. And honestly, I, I, I don't blame you, mate, to be honest. But um, I said I said midway through to you, give me the uh, differential section next week, obviously. It's ironic that Matt's now absent because Danny Welbeck bringing him in with like 0.4%. He grabs a goal. So I nailed that one. But uh, thanks for your shocks of the week, mate. Even if they were to your, uh, to your expense. So now we will move on to our mini league review. And of course, that comes with reviewing all of our teams, which we will do even in Jack and Matt's absence. We will still look over their teams, of course. Um, So we'll start with myself on the share screen. 43 points for me, which was a bit of an interesting one because it's well above the average. I know you mentioned the really, really low average. 
but I still ended up taking red arrows, um, which I'm not really a fan of at all. Green arrows in the league, which I don't mind at all. Um, but if we have a look at my team, the front three, absolutely doing bits. As I mentioned, obviously, Danny Welbeck getting the goal, which was nice for me, not so much for Elliot. Uh, Patrick Bamford, obviously, absolutely smashing it as well, 11 points. Bit of an injury cloud over him, which we don't like to see, but, you know, we may as well talk about what he did on the pitch. Did you see what he said today? Did you see what he said today? He said that um, he revealed that Usman Dembele is a massive Leeds fan. No way. A massive Leeds fan. Melier told him that he's a massive Leeds fan. Saw it on Twitter. What's the source of that? You need to tell me this afterwards because I've not seen that. That is absolutely mental if that's true. Ridiculous. Imagine building a front three because obviously we've got Haaland (laughs) who's a Leeds fan as well. Imagine a front three of like Gio Reyna from Dortmund. Harland and Dembele. Could you imagine? That would have been insanity. Um, but back to uh, back to last game week, of course, Bamford got the 11 points. And then outside of that, nothing much really happened. Obviously, I got lucky with uh, the other week with having Craig Dawson on my bench. Not so lucky this week um, with the own goal, obviously. But uh, And obviously, the goals conceded too. Three goals conceded for West Ham. You know, not great at the back for them. Uh, but obviously, the Brighton Steve Bruce tax obviously works in my favour. With Sanchez, as I say, really weird one because obviously, Red Arrows in overall, but green in the league, which never really happens. Um, those who don't really pair up, but I'll take the 43 points, but I've really got to go for it after this international break. Last 10 game weeks, just got to push now. Is it oh, it's nine now, isn't it? My maths wasn't smart for a moment there. Um, but there we go. Last nine game weeks, really got to make a push for that top 10 now in the league. Um, let's see how we can get on. Um, but we'll move over now. I've got Jax on the ready and he had a better game week than I did. Um, but that's all right. I'm not really that bothered. Um, obviously, Jack's a decent manager, so we'll we'll take the loss there. He can have the three points and then uh, we'll move on. 52 points minus the four, 48. Uh, Joel Veltman, brilliant for him as well. 10 points. Obviously, it's, it's all the Brighton players. If you had three Brighton players, you probably did well this week, let's be honest. Uh, Sanchez in net, also class for him. Jesse Lingard, obviously a player that, you know, we love to see back in an England shirt. I don't know how he didn't score this morning against San Marino, but um, yeah, he's doing brilliantly. And finally, he's got something back into his game, a bit of positivity, a bit of impetus that he was missing at Manchester United. He looks happy playing football. I know we've said it before, but we may as well say it again because he is looking class at the moment, not only for club, but for country. Goal and an assist for West Ham in their 3-0 draw against Arsenal. Obviously, Bruno Fernandes, who didn't play, but nailed the captain pick with Harry Kane. Mikel Antonio also chimed in as well. A decent game week. For Jack with the 52 points. Um, I don't know. Obviously, Jack's producing in the background with us. So, I don't know what Jack's goals are for the season. I'm assuming they should be aiming pretty high in the league. Um, he's not doing amazingly in the league. But hopefully, he can push up and, uh, and make something. Winner. Oh, no. He's not. No. That's that's not going to happen. I, th- I think there's more chance of Leicester winning the league at the start of the season in 15-16. Um, than, uh, than you winning the league, Jack. But uh, hopefully, he can push up. And uh, make something of it in these final few game weeks. Over to Elliot, 45 points. The three transfers had two free. Says the four-point hit. 45 was his net score. Um, Elliot, I'll throw this one over to you. How did you feel you went this weekend? Yeah, I was um, I was similar to you, mate. Because if you scroll down a little bit, you see I went up in our mini league. But I went red on absolutely everything else. And I, like you, I was absolutely shocked by that. But... You know, I'd take the the 45, 49, whatever you want to call it this week, considering I didn't have a single Brighton player play. So I actually pride myself on that, that I had a good score this week without having the double pain of having Brighton players in. Um, Lingard, brilliant. Kane, brilliant. Rafinha, I said on the Thursday 
it was the Thursday, no, the Friday night because they played Saturday morning here. Said on the Friday night in our group chat, I'm going to captain Rafinha, little curveball. Don't know how it's going to pay off. And um, yeah, I mean, it just paid off, didn't it? When that second goal went in, I was watching it. Bamford and Rafinha did the business for Leeds and they beat Fulham. Unfortunately, Newcastle couldn't capitalise on that. But FPL is the only thing that really matters in this sense. So, yeah, I was really happy with 49 points with only a few to play in this weird game week, mate. And uh, some more points that we'll take on to next week. And uh, we'll stay with you, Matt, uh, Elliot, because we're going to analyse Matt's team now. I'd like you to do some of that. So, uh, I'll give you the points, which were as the screen loads up. 34. So, um, since you're a Newcastle fan, you know what? There's, you know, bad performances. These are more in your ballpark. So, I'll leave this one with you, mate. <laughs> Oh, God, you, mate, honestly, yeah. Um, I mean, he got very unlucky because if he if Fulham hadn't scored that goal, he would have actually been on for a pretty decent score. Stuck with Rafinha, which, you know, he's been a massive fan of Rafinha all season, hasn't he? He couldn't take Gundogan out, not even for a single game week when he's not going to play. I wonder what he's going to do when Man City have that double blank if he's going to keep Gundogan just because he loves him that much. But we'll have to see. Um, as you said before, nailed the captain choice for Harry Kane. Mikel Antonio did the business for him. And I think we all fell victim to the Bale trap, didn't we? I think we all sort of thought, oh yeah, Bale is going to do something against Villa. Nothing, absolutely nothing, which was disappointing. And then he's held Son, as you can see, because I think he's pretty confident he's going to be back after the international break. But no, it wasn't, it was just a weird game week, wasn't it? But it wasn't, the worst score in the world wasn't the best score in the world, above the average. So I'm sure the guru will take that. I'm sure, I mean, obviously everyone, you know, had an average game week at best, but um, I'm sure that there's, there's some people out there who got some positivity out of it. Uh, speaking of one person who definitely did was the manager of the week, which we'll try and find. Richard Elphick is the man we're looking for. He's just moved into the top 10 with a brilliant game week here. 81 points. Obviously he did play Brian. a free hit, but even still, did he, say, he said Brighton, there you go. There you go. Three Brighton players, Jesse Lingard. A lack is that as well. Harry Kane nailed the captain pick. Could have done better there, but then not not too bad at all. Um, getting the goal there with Harry Kane. Um, had the author sub as well, um, having Erdegaard being brought on. But even still, a class week. Uh, shout out to one of our best mates, Xavier Pella, second this week. So just misses out on the esports voucher, which I doubt he would have used anyway. But uh, even still, Richard Elphick, manager of the week. So he will get $10 live, uh, $10 esports live credit. Messed up the uh, the company uh, shout out there. $10 credit for esports live, which you can play for cash pool and prizes. NBA, Rocket League, FIFA and Pez. So if you think you can beat him, get yourself involved as well. Just a note on that as well while we're still on it. We need Richard to get in touch with us because obviously your good management skills in FPL need to get yourself rewarded. So uh, Richard, if you are listening or watching to the pod, um, yeah, get yourself involved because uh, you deserve the prize that you've, uh, that you've won. So now if we do move on then, we're going to do a little bit of our predictions for the season then, Elliot, if you will. We've got, we've got a Champions Top 4 Europa League and relegation to look over. We'll start with relegation because like I say, that's in your ballpark. Um, Elliot, what are you saying? Well, I think two are already nailed on, mate, aren't they? So I think three are nailed on. <laughs> uh, I was going to say that, mate, but I just didn't. I just didn't. Well, obviously, I think it's pretty safe to say that West Brom and Sheffield United are are down. They've they're sunken. No, no way back now. I think you would be 
ludicrous to disagree with me in any sense there, but that that third spot is going to be between Newcastle and Fulham. And I believe that it will go down to the last game of the season and Fulham will beat us on the last game of the season and we will go down. Yeah, just for those who aren't so clued up on that, Fulham do play Newcastle game week 38 at Craven Cottage. I think Fulham will go down as good as football as they've played. Somehow I can just see you lot staying up. I, I mean, I, I've said that a lot throughout the season. It's still, it's someone, I know we've, we've in our group chats, we've, you know, had a go at you, Elliot, for being a little bit indecisive in messages. I'm a little bit indecisive here because I, as much as I, you know, I, I want to see you happy, Elliot, but I wouldn't mind obviously having that Black, uh, Blackburn Newcastle banter next year. But um, I think, I think it will go down to that final day. It's so close to call. Yeah. I'll say that Steve Bruce can just about pull it off. <laughs> uh, see, the optimistic I, me says we yeah. stay up with Wilson. There was a picture this morning of Wilson and St. Maximum back in training together and it, everyone was just going, the saviours, blah, blah, blah. The optimistic me says we will stay up just about, but the pessimistic me says, you're an idiot. Have you watched the football for the last two years under Steve Bruce so mate, mate, you I'm, know I'm... you know as well as anyone how much Newcastle football I've sat through you know yeah. I've I've sat through more Newcastle football than any non-Newcastle fan should ever do in their lifetime throughout these last couple of seasons so you know I think I I really do want to say that Fulham will go down because probably that's you know what might what might well happen but I'll say that Newcastle with the return of, of Sam Maximan and Wilson will Stay up, and I I'll, think yeah. I'll agree say, with you then. I'll agree with I'll, you. So we, so we can be agreed. I'll agree with you, mate. Fulham, West yep. Brom, Chef you. Yep. Okay, I'll agree there. As much as it would hurt to see Fulham go down with with Tosin and Tosin Harrison Reed, and also Tom Kearney as well, I think Fulham will go down as well with West Brom and Sheffield United. As you said, they're too far gone, so I don't think that they'll recover. In terms of Europa League, well, this is the interesting one. Um, I don't know if we can go back to the share screen. We'll bring up the Premier League table um, if we can do that. So um, we'll bring up that table now. It's an interesting one because there's so much that could still be decided and so many teams that could still fill these mm. spots. It's, it is just a weird season, isn't it? Because I was thinking before a little brainstorm for top four and I was like, oh, Liverpool have got to find a way to break into the top four. And I checked the points tally and a team like Leicester to drop 10 points over Liverpool over over nine more game weeks. I just don't know if it's going to happen. I, I don't know what what's going to happen, to be honest, mate. And I back Chelsea to stay. You know, they're looking very solid on the Tuchel, aren't they? So I back Chelsea to stay in there. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm confused just as you, mate. So we'll go Europa for the moment. The question is, do West Ham hold on? That's the real question. Um, Not to that. I don't think they hold on to that fifth spot. No, definitely not fifth. I think fifth will be either Tottenham or Liverpool. I think. Tottenham Tottenham for me. Yeah. Liverpool have been good enough since in the turn of the year. So I think they take fifth. Do, Mm. Do Liverpool sneak into sixth? Well, the thing is, the way that I see it is that Liverpool's season is a failure. So what I oh, think yeah. Klopp, Klopp will end up doing is, you know, they've got a favourable, I say favourable draw in the Champions League. They've got Real Madrid, but the side that they're placed on, their journey to the final is if they beat Real Madrid is going to be the Chelsea or Porto. And if they make the Champions League final, you know, you've got a 50-50 shot of winning that the cup. And then, you know, if you win the, the Champions League, what what failure of a season? What what was that? 
you know, you know what I'm saying? So I think they're going to go all guns blazing, put all their eggs in one basket with the Champions League. And I think it will affect their their performance in the Prem. But I still back them to finish in a Europa League spot, to be honest. And I think it could be that sixth spot. I'll say West Ham and Liverpool to make Europa League and Tottenham to just miss out. I've, I've revised over it. I know I said, you know, Tottenham a little while ago. But I'm just having to think while you're saying that. And also, that's that's partly because I do want to see a team like West Ham sort of mm. push up a little bit. You know what I mean? I do want to see them punch up of their way. It's a bit of an underdog story. So we'll go West Ham and Liverpool to finish yeah, in Europa um, League. I just got an there. outside shout as well with Everton. You know, yes. as we saw, saw this morning, their, their star man. James Rodriguez or woman. I don't know if you saw the WhatsApp rumour, but it was quite, quite weird. But we won't get into that too much, but he's back in training now. So they could be on for a late push. They're only three points behind West Ham. So, you know, same with the Toffees. They could be up for a, a, a last minute uh, Europe push. You never know with, with Ancelotti and the quality that they've got in certain positions, mate. So I wouldn't write them off, but will they make it? I think they struggle too much against lower league oppositions to make it. I think you just see what I highlighted there. They have got a game in hand on the teams above them. Three points behind West Ham in fifth. So if they win that, they go level on points. I think their goal difference will be an issue though. And I, I don't think they'll make it, but good season for Everton nonetheless. I think they'll be disappointed. They might see this as a bit of an opportunity miss if they don't make Europa League. Mm. But... I think, you know, I don't think they'll make it. I think that top four for me, I don't think that top four will change. Um, in terms of positioning, um, Ellie, I'll go over to you first. We're pretty certain that Manchester City are going are gonna to win the league. That's, you know, that's nailed on. Out of I those next you, yeah. three, Manchester United, Leicester and Chelsea, where mm. are each team going to finish? Uh, I think you can keep the first two. I'll back Man United to hold second place for the rest of the season. I think Leicester will drop to fourth and Chelsea will finish third. That's my prediction. Obviously, we saw Leicester fall off at the end of last season to miss mm. out on the Champions League spot. They won't do that again. I'm going to say the top four will hold its yeah. position, possibly Leicester to move above Manchester United. Mm. But I'm going to say that top four to stay as it is. Yeah, so it's a weird one again because we spoke about Liverpool all legs in one basket. Leicester are out of Europe now. Chelsea is still in it. And, you know, that game against Porto for them is massive. And then if they've got Liverpool or Real Madrid, you know, all given their advance, they've got to, they've got to focus on that as well. So it's going to be an interesting one. But I, I, think, I think Chelsea will finish third this season. I just do. I don't know why. I think, you know, that Leicester need Madison back. They need Barnes back quickly and... I think Chelsea will overtake them, but I do back Man United to stay in second and for City to win the league, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll say that. I'll say that the top four says it is. We've brought up a comment from the guru himself, who, despite not being here, is watching along. So we love to see that from the guru. I, you probably would have hated my Tottenham comment. If he's just tuning in, he might well have missed that. But goal differences decide fourth place, he reckons. Um, I'll be interested to see what the guru thinks about about who he thinks will finish in the top four. Um, but Leicester still to play Chelsea, Manchester United and Manchester City. Um, but we'll have to see. It will be a close race. But there are predictions for the champions being Manchester City, the top four for me to stay as it is, uh, Europa League and relegation. So a lot to talk about and a lot to digest, a lot on the line for the rest of the season. So then, if we now do move on, we've got a little bit of our FPL team of the season so far. We've had a little bit of debate uh, debate off-air as to see 
which uh, players would make it in to that 11. But uh, we've we've thought about it. We brought one up. The initial teams that we drafted were quite similar to each other. We had a couple of players different, but we've settled on this one here. And Elliot, the goalkeeper, was pretty obvious. Yeah, I think if you're not going to go with the boring one and Edison, I think Emmy Martinez is, you know, he's been standout keeper for me this season. I think, you know, we saw towards the end of last season at Arsenal when Leno got injured against Brighton in that game. And, you know, he just slotted in straight away, didn't he? After not playing consecutive football for, sorry, consistent football for consecutive years now. And he just sort of, he didn't look out of place, did he? And he hasn't this season. He's looked absolutely brilliant between the sticks with Villa. He's had some games where, you know, what you want from a goalkeeper is you want him to be able to be the difference in those games. And that's what Villa missed last season, I think, was that this season with Martinez, you can see the difference that it makes when you've got a, a good goalkeeper between your sticks. And it's really been emphasised with Emmy Martinez. And he's just been fantastic for them this season. So he would... He would be my choice, mate, and I know he's your choice. So it was, was pretty simple for the both of us, I think. Yeah, I know you said, obviously, about Edison. He probably beats Edison. I think he does as well, um, to be honest with you. I think just the fact that, almost the fact that West Ham, sorry, Aston Villa, rather, weren't expected to, to really do much this season. And the fact that they are overachieving, you've got to sort of have a player in there to sort of represent that. And I think that Emmy Martinez, some of the saves he's pulled off this season have been absolutely bonkers. Um, and to say he's an Arsenal reject, obviously played a little bit towards the tail end of last season for the Gunners, but to move across and to do what he's done uh, done for the Villains is quite remarkable if you ask me. So I think he's the choice in between the sticks. Over to the defenders and we've got the Guru's favourite, Stuart Dallas. Stuart Dallas, absolutely brilliant. He's been this season for Leeds, newly promoted side, and he's, you know, he's Sean, hasn't he? Sean Bright. Obviously, can't quite get Rafinha in here. We'll move on to another Leeds asset you can see up top later on. But I think Stuart Dallas, a little bit like John Lundstrom. So there's shades of John Lundstrom, obviously, being uh, called the defender in FPL, but playing in midfield. He's been brilliant, hasn't he, Elliot? Yeah, I've, I've mentioned the... Uh... The, uh, the comparison to the Lord, as we know him, Lundstrom, a couple of times this season. And it's just it's just bang on, you know, when you... Because he started off cheap as well, didn't he? Did he start at 4 million or 4.5? 4.5 he started. Was he 4.5? Well, I mean, I know Lundstrom last season was 4, wasn't he? But 4.5 for a defender, I he's second or third top scoring or fourth, I think. He's, he's up there to, within the top five. And he's just... ever since It was ever since that Newcastle game where they bollocked us at home. And he scored that, was it that back post? Was it a header or was it a, I can't remember what it was. I remember he scored. And ever since then, he's just been starting in that midfield week in, week out. And he's getting goals and assists. And that's the bonus because if he's not going to get a clean sheet, a lot of the time he's going to come out with something. So it's like he gets clean sheet points anyway. And then once he gets both, which he's done twice or three times this season, it's just ridiculous. So he's really, really been one of the shining stars this season in FPL. Yeah, I can't remember the game you're alluding to. If it was the game, at, I think you said at home at St James's Park. I don't think I watched that. No, one. I think I watched Ellen Road. Oh, Ellen Road. I definitely watched some of that one. That was um, watched it with me. <laughs> a little bit of it. I think Adam Armstrong scored like a nine seventh minute win of the same day. So I was more invested in that game against Rotherham. But um, but yeah, Stuart Dallas has been a top player, and uh, Newcastle felt the wrath of him this season, definitely. Uh, but moving on to the two Manchester City assets, we'll talk about these two together because they've been absolutely insane. John Stones and Ruben Diaz, they've both found their way onto the score sheet, but 
defensively, they've been insane for uh, for Manchester City. And I think the John Stones one gives us a little bit of hope. The brilliant comment on the screen from the guru. <laughs> Even when he's not here, he still finds say, a way to not only, <laughs> not only to provide banter, but to provide love for Ilkay Gundogan. We'll move on to him a little bit later. For sure, I don't think he'll be getting the armband, though. Sorry to the guru. But John Stones and Ruby Diaz, I think this defensive partnership for Manchester City give England some hope as well. Obviously, that John Stones will be able to replicate his form for uh, for Manchester City and do well for England. But in terms of club form, they've been absolutely insane this season. They've been impenetrable and they've been part of the reason why I've done so well in FPL with uh, my Manchester City defenders. So they're definitely slotting in there. Moving on to the other fullback then, we've got Aaron Cresswell from West Ham, another one that's sort of gone under the radar somewhat, even though he's a top scorer for defenders this season. I don't think he's been talked about perhaps as as well as he might deserve. Um, but Aaron Cresswell from uh, West Ham, definitely considering he's the uh, best defender in the game, warrants his selection. Elliot, have you had him in all this season? I don't think I have, but he's definitely no. worth bringing in if you haven't got him. Yeah, no, I haven't had him for all of this season. I've had him for a fair chunk of it. I got him in a while ago now, I think it was. And, you know, he's been brilliant. He's another one like Dallas because he's on all set pieces for West Ham. A lot of them, at least corners, free kicks, whatever you want to call them. And you just, West Ham is such an aerial threat with every single set piece they play with Suchek, Dawson, Rice, Diop, Ogbonna, whatever you want to say, Antonio. Like, they're all massive, massive players. And if he just gets it onto one of their noggins, they're going to put it in the back of the net. And that's what they do for him. So he's just been brilliant. And he's just got me FPL points after FPL points this season, mate. So he's definitely been one that, you know, even in the tough fixtures where he's just come up with something and he's done really, really well for me. So him, uh, Kufal, if he'd kept up that form, I feel sorry for Kufal. He's been brilliant this season and he just doesn't get the same points as Cresswell. But Kufal's another one that was really, really good. And I think... Back to the Stones and Diaz, I think, you know, you could sort of interchange one of them out with Cancelo as well if you wanted to, if needed, if you didn't think one of them deserved to be there. But those those three Man City defenders, Stones, Diaz and Cancelo, have just been ridiculous this season. I mean, definitely Cancelo, probably, you'd argue, maybe deserves to be in this team, but we're not playing a back five here. There's no way we're playing <laughs> a back five. Not Gareth Southgate. <laughs> no, not at all. We are we are doing the traditional England formation. Mike Bassett's favourite. I've mentioned it before. It's a 4-4-2. Um, we didn't mention that at the start, but um, yeah, we're playing the traditional 4-4-2. Two banks of four and then two strikers up top. But starting that bank of four, it's not really a bank considering the, the amount of uh, centimids we've got. We've got a couple of centimids. We've got three and then a sort of winger in Hyungmin Son. But Ilkay Gundogan, I, I want another guru comment. If he's listening, I want another guru <laughs> comment because he'd be able to summon up better than better than any uh, that either of us can because he's been absolutely insane for Manchester City. A play that you'd have overlooked, easy as that in pre-season, but he's shown us, he's proved us all wrong. He's got on the score sheet. He's been absolutely insane for the citizens this season. And the German maestro got his way into a lot of FPL teams, still waiting on a guru comment. Don't know if I'm going to get one, but I think, uh, Elliot, you've got to sum this one up. Ilkay Gunnar, yeah. what a player. No, he's been he's been integral to how well Man City have done this season. He's sort of just, you know, we spoke a lot about De Bruyne last season and how good he was, but he's been the glue this season that sort of just makes their team work, I think. And he's just popped up with goals, assists. And he, he does it all. He's done it all this season. I haven't had him in my team other than one week where he didn't do anything and he's not in my team anymore. But he's just been insane. He scored for Germany last night as well. He can do no wrong at the minute. He can do no wrong. 
I mean, Gundogan's not going in my team for the rest of the season because I do have three Manchester City players. So I can't fit him in, which is really frustrating. But one player that I have been able to fit in is the next man on the screen there. Bruno Fernandes, top asset for Manchester United. He's revolutionised their team. Um, You know, it's probably been an Eric Cantona-esque type signing from what we've heard. Obviously, we didn't see a lot of Eric Cantona uh, knowing our age. But Jack, I'd like you to obviously compare that. Can you compare the two? on the impact that they've made. They're, they're the ones that usually get compared around, but considering the fact that we've seen, we've not seen much of Eric Cantona play, then we can't really make that comparison ourselves, but I'm sure a lot of older Manchester United fans may be able to. Jack says no, but I mean, a few other, um, a few other fans disagree with him, but he's, he's been a good player nonetheless. Whoever you compare him to, he's been a good player for Manchester United. Is he the, um, the top scorer in FPL this season? I mean, he'd, be, he'd have to be up there, surely. I believe um, he is. Because I know the guru said, armband on Gundogan, question mark. For me, I don't think you can look past Bruno. I think if you just made a team at the start and not changed it at all and had the armband on Bruno, you'd probably finish in the top half of the world if you had a decent side built around him. He was yeah. just one that you could rely on no matter who he played each week because of VAR penalties. You know, his ability changed, changed a lot of games for Man United and he's definitely been... The shining light in their uh, in their season, mate. Uh, look, he has it. And by the way, just to answer your question, he is the highest point scorer in the game. Bruno Fernandes, two hundred and nine, beating at Harry Kane's one hundred and ninety-one. He's the next closest. And I'd argue you put the armband on him, but probably Bruno is probably fair enough. That might be one we might have to argue later on in the podcast. But definitely Bruno Fernandes for me has to make it. So do these next two, Hyung Min Son. And Thomas Socek, two very different players. I know you spoke about <laughs> players scoring on international break. Thomas Socek, international hat-trick, perfect hat-trick as well at that. So he's had a good international break so far. Hyung Min Son, definitely not as defensive, but definitely warrants his spot in the league. If we're going to, in the team rather, if we're going to talk about Hyung Min Son, we've got to talk about his partner in crime, Harry Kane, King Harry Kane. He's been absolutely immense for Tottenham once again this season. There's been a minefield up top, I reckon, in that uh, striker's um, department, but I think Harry Kane's been the one player set and forget when he's been out on the park. But you've just got to have, you've, you've had to have him. Yeah, Prince Harry's been that that forward that you just felt that you had to have, wasn't he? You know, it's been very difficult because the gap between like a lot of the cheaper players and the mid-tier strikers this season in FPL has been quite weird, I think. But Prince Harry's been the one that you just, if you don't have him, you suffered most weeks more than not. It was like Bruno Fernandes. I remember the guru didn't have him for a little bit of time and he just suffered and suffered and fell down that mini league because of it. And Harry Kane, like he's top goal scorer, top assister in the league so far this season. And I don't see him moving off either of those pedestals at the minute. So he's having a ridiculous season and uh, can't wait for him to do it at the Euros, mate. He will do it at the Euros because football's coming home. We've said it here. <laughs> Come on, England! <laughs> Why not? It's going to happen. Football is coming home and Harry Kane's hopefully another golden boot for him in another international tournament. But we'll have to see. One player who might join him there, maybe not, not in the recent England squad, very, very unlucky to miss out, Patrick Bamford. Now, just quickly, before we go on to him, Bamford or Dominic Calvert-Lewin? Who should make this team? I was going to say to you, the two that I was going to argue with you the most that weren't going to go in my team was Suchek and it was Bamford. And you know, you lot know on the podcast how much I've loved Patrick Bamford this season. I think I've had him on, I've had Kane and Son since game week one. Out of Kane and Son, if you got rid of them, 
Bamford's been the player that I've had in my team for the longest because I don't think I had Bruno for the start. And I had Bamford for the longest time and he was just doing the business. We both said at the start of the season, Bamford's not not fit for the Prem, not ready. And to an extent, we we were very wrong. But you see the amount of chances he has. It'll, I think it's interesting because not, not a lot of Leeds fans rate him as a player. They, they don't think that he's that good of a forward. But Calvert-Lewin, breakout season for him where he's really beginning to establish himself as a top, top, top Premier League striker, I think. And I, I would say Bamford. I would say Bamford over Calvert-Lewin, but just, mate, but I don't know what you're going to say. I mean, I, I would also say Bamford, hence why he's in the team. But I think it's very, very close. It's very close. That was the toughest one, I think. Out, mm. out of any... Out of any decision we've had to make for Scout 11, I think that's the most line ball, tough decision between Bamford and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I think I could definitely be swayed either way. Um, if someone put a compelling argument forward for Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I could probably listen to it and say, yeah, he probably deserves to go up top. But at the minute, without that, I'm going with Patrick Bamford. Only just. I think if Patrick Bamford returns to fitness... All three of those should go to the World Cup, uh, go to the Euros rather. Um, I don't think Ollie Watkins is, has been as good as them this season, although it was really, really nice to see him get a goal this morning. I think Bamford Kane and Dominic Calvert Lewin all have to go. Obviously, Dominic Calvert Lewin, while we're on the topic of England, bagged the brace this morning, so continues his good scoring form. But that's our team of the season so far the FPL Addicts and Esports Live, or at least half of us anyway, our team of the season so far. What do you reckon? Let us know if you would make any alterations, because I'm sure there's some of you out there that would. So just to conclude the podcast, we'll have a quick, just a very, very quick look of a draft. Very, very quickly. Um, we'll just have a quick run over the results, because um, that table really is hotting up. And I think we, keep, we need to keep talking about it, because at the moment, it's quite exciting, that race up the top of the league. If I can click the right uh, the right tab, that would be nice. There we go, league rather than points. So uh, the top two you can see is me and Matt. We've got Dave in third, Jack in fourth, Ellie in fifth. We've got James in sixth, Nathan in seventh, and Rolando in last place. Obviously, if we go to the results, we'll talk about fixtures next week. Um, we'll go to the results. Um, the Mac lads, dreadful showing. Three points. Rolando, even worse, two points. Elliot, you somehow won with 11. I don't know. I, I just... Oh, that's an absolute bombshell. If you can't win pretty, win ugly, mate. Scrape a 1-0 win away at whatever Rolando Stadium would be called because that is daylight robbery. You should never win a game on 11 fantasy points, ever. But ever. then again, you should, never win a, you should never win a game on two, though, should you? For being realistic. <laughs> this, is, this is very true as well, mate. So it's a, it's, it's a fair point you make. Jack says, first time I've been off the top, lads. That's just not true. That just isn't true. <laughs> uh, sorry to call that out, but it's you know I've I've been up there a couple of times, but probably been the most consistent all season. Has the uh, the draft guru, but he's not quite up the top at the moment. I'm sure he'll have something to say about that next week. I, I don't even I mean, know who he's got next week. We'll have a look. I'm um, three points touching distance of Jack now. So when am I going to get start getting called the the draft guru? I mean, Jack will have something to say about it next week, won't he? Because he's going to have a fifty point win over over the Mac lads, but. Um, you're not. You're, I mean, I'm not going to let you because I've got you next week. So I'm not going to let you be uh, be called the uh, the draft guru because I'm going to make sure that I win and keep up uh, up touch with uh, Matt. So, no. The answer to your question, Elliot, is no. You will not be called the draft guru anytime soon unless you can win the league, which could happen. But um, we'll see. 
Yeah, um, yeah. It's a very fair call, mate. I've got a lot of uh, Man City assets, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with my game week. But I remember the last time we played each other, you beat me, and it was when you were sort of giving up on draft, and I sparked your season back up to life again. So it'll be interesting. Obviously, um, Jack just in our private chat here just said, "I can taste that Papa John's pizza." Somehow we haven't mentioned the Papa John's trophy and how there's two different finals from two different seasons because, of course, that's where the nickname arose from, the Papa John's trophy being slightly tin pot, if you will. And, of course, with it being extremely, tin pot, extremely. That, being tin pot, that's why Sunderland had to lift it. <laughs> so <laughs> they obviously won the final fair play to them in the cup that no one really cares about. But, uh, but yeah, there you go. We may as well mention that. And uh, I think that's probably, on the topic of tin pot, probably where we end the podcast because our podcast definitely isn't tin pot. Um, we are the best. We are the, we are the best best podcast in the world, probably according to the Carlsberg review. Um, but yeah, obviously, thanks for listening in. Obviously, a bit of a short one because we've had the international break. But uh, we'll be back with a more regular podcast next week as we prepare, prepare for some more Premier League football. But for now, hope your international break dreams come true. You won't have any, but hope they do anyway. And we'll see you next week. Bye for now. <laughs>